Welcome to Oakwright's podcast, In the Frame, episode six. Today we're going to be talking about design, planning, and building regulations. I have with me Helen Needham, Oakwright's head of design and architecture. But we also thought alongside, it would be nice to have somebody, so we have Charlie Mills here, who's recently carried out his own self-build project. So Helen will talk about the six points, most important points from the professional side, that is of uh, design, planning and building regulations. And then Charlie will talk about some of those points that have affected him on his journey through his self-build. So we, we start um, sketching through ideas with the, with the client, so really taking their wish list, coming up with uh, forms and ideas for them. And I didn't personally realise at the time um, how long the conditions would take to, um, to get signed off, because you can't do anything until you get those signed off. Yes, you may start sooner, but I think the follow-on challenges of, uh, of a building inspector, I think is slightly unwise. Helen, Charlie, welcome. So here we are. We are talking about design, planning and building regulations. And Helen, you're responsible for looking after lots of customers, lots of people who are setting out on their journey of self-build. And always the challenge, first of all, is you found the plot. And then once you found the plot, you've got to go through that process, the design, planning, and then the building regulations. So on these three elements, design, planning, and building regulations, let's talk about the six most important points as you see them. Helen, the floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you. The first thing, when we get an opportunity that comes through, we, we uh, offer a, a desktop study. It's, it's um, very... There's so much information on the internet. We can look on the council's planning websites. Um, there's so many different resources that we use in order to understand um, the, the desktop analysis of, of a site and, and an opportunity in the planning strategy. So that's point one, really. That's the cru first crucial exercise to, to see, see how we move forward and progress. Um, the second point is um, once we've... Once we've really gone into that detail um, and gone through those resources to make sure that it's actually a worthwhile site um, uh, to pursue, we then offer a site visit and, and a meeting with ourselves. And that's absolutely crucial again in the fact that we're, we're meeting the clients, talking through their wish list, walking the ground and really, really understanding that site and its context. So when you say worthwhile, Helen, you mean is there a reasonable chance of the potential self-builder being able to gain the planning permission for a house that is somewhere near their desired dream? Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it is about uh, ensure, ensuring that planning is always a risk, but ensuring that we have the best strategy there and, and the best chance of actually achieving a house on the site and, and indeed uh, the client's dream house. Okay. And furthermore, to, to make sure that it's, it can be um, uh, designed and built well as an, as an oak frame okay. for the site. Good stuff. We then move into, so point three, we move into a feasibility and fee proposal. So once we've done the desktop study, we've looked through all of our resources, we understand what the planning strategy is, what the constraints are, what the opportunities are for, us, for a site. Um, we can then start to um, put uh, our services to that. So we, we can say how we can help that client and, and put a fee to those services. So we can say what, what drawings we can do. Um, and and so on. Um, so it's it's really a, a crucial part of, of it to, for the journey for the client to understand um, the roadmap ahead. 
Okay, good, good. Next, we move through to once once the client's happy with that um, proposal and strategy, we move through to a design contract, um, and that appointment's quite crucial. So um, it's both parties understand where we're heading, what the client's wish list is, what the brief is. Um, naturally, when we work with clients, things evolve. It's only natural in the, the design process. Um, but it, but it's really important to have that appointment there so we both understand what services are available and um, and where we're heading for that particular client. Okay. And, uh, and along with that then, so as we're getting towards the point of entering into contract, we will have also just given ideas of budgets on that based on a square footage cost and our knowledge of knowing what it costs to build houses and, the, and what the, the current rates are for construction. That's right. We we give a really good overview of the the master plan of the project, really, even at a very early stage. Um, obviously, knowing a client's um, budget is really crucial, and, and uh, that really helps us to, again, define that design that we can meet their wish list and, and uh, uh, even down to, to the floor area and the actual um, the, the build form um, to, to make sure, again, we're all heading towards the same roadmap. Okay, great stuff. Um, so moving forward to point five, we start with a, a concept uh, sketch design. So we we start um, sketching through ideas with the with the client. So really taking their wish list, coming up with uh, forms and ideas for them, and, and translating it into a design. Um, on point six, we actually move forward to a uh, the final planning design. So once we've thrashed through that uh, concept and evo natural design evolution, we come up with, um, as a design team, the final planning design that we're all really comfortable and happy with. So this is running on with the concept. I mean, you're working with all the different ideas, aren't you? You're taking everything that the... Uh, the customer has put forward for, for, for what they would like and how the house would work and the general style. Mm -hmm. So working with the general style, the layout of the house and trying to bring together everything that is the desired um, wish list for the home linked into the, into the budget. So that's uh, very important, isn't it? To, to get that right before we go in for the final drawings or the detailed drawings. It's a really, really essential part of the process. As we're getting to know the client and the site, new ideas come up. And sometimes it's about, you need time for that process. Sometimes it's about thinking of ideas, then leaving it for a little while, walking away and looking at it with fresh eyes so that when you actually do go on to move through to point six, which is the final planning design, uh, we're actually really submitting something that the client's happy with and indeed all of the design team are happy with. We've really taken on board all of those specialist constraints and opportunities. Lovely. So the final point, point six for design. So point six, we're looking at the final planning design. We've um, normally at this point, we've uh, sent, um, issued uh, a number of drawings to the clients and uh, we will present a 3D sketch up walk through for the clients so what you're saying is then with your final design then you'll actually model that up three dimensionally and you'll be able to give a walkthrough to the customer so they can actually glide through their home see how it all looks in preparation for making those putting together the final planning drawings absolutely there may have been a, a couple of sets of drawings where we've uh, evolved the the design with the client 
um, and there's a, a lovely 3D model. So we, we normally have a, a meeting, sometimes a Zoom meeting or, or a meeting here at the show house or, or at the client's house to walk through the, the design and um, uh, show them every um, every space and room within the house and, and uh, the external appearance of the house. Um, so the clients can really see what they're getting as a, a 3D model and then we move forward as a design team to submit that to the council. So I can imagine that's very valuable for the customer to see the, 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 their design um, exactly because it's surprising when you, you look at it two-dimensionally on the plans and then you put together a model and I think you find with the model that it does tend to open up different thought processes about how the house is working over and above the actual two-dimensional model so that's um that's that's very interesting and very good so there we are element a design and the six main points so we have number one desktop study number two site visit and architectural meeting number three feasibility and fee proposal number four design contract and architectural appointment number five concept sketch design number six the final planning design and application so charlie You've got the six points there yeah. um, from your experience. So when you started off on your journey and the design process, the initial, as so you've purchased the plot or you've looked at purchasing the plot, what did you find on the design side to get yourself up to ready to go to planning? Was there much work to do? How did you find the process? I'd say probably the design elements, the part of the, the, the biggest battle, really. The rest is just follows on, doesn't it, once you've got that in place? Um, the, obviously the design and the feasibility all in together, uh, that's the most important thing because you can come up with a perfect design on paper, but if it doesn't suit the plot, you're scuppered really, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's then meeting the needs of your brief, um, of the plot, of the potential planning conditions and, and, and challenges around you, and then making sure that you can actually afford to build it. Um, so I know what we thought about something that, uh, initially, uh, may have suited us in terms of size. Then was when we started actually putting it into practice, going through the design process, we realized we we're probably hundred square meters short. And, uh, so then you're suddenly questioning the budget. So, uh, so yeah, those from a, um, yeah, client's perspective, obviously they're all very important, but that's the sort of the biggest part. So you came up with the, that you had the, so when you bought the plot, the, the general style of the house was there, wasn't it? Yes, and, we, and Church but, Cottage it was, yeah. Yeah, but we still had to go back to planning for your we did. particular planning. So uh, we, um, first of all, uh, looked at the uh, plan, well, the design that was uh, in planning at the time, um, and then we tilted it, we changed the orientation of the doors, and they were facing the drive, so we put those towards the uh, garden. Um, we... We, what else did we do? Well, we, the, the internal orientation uh, we also played with um, and so, the garage as well. So internal layout then, you were working with the, uh, the designer, the architect, to just work through the flow. So, so you worked through the flow yourself and yeah. then it was how does that actually work Correct. within the house and how does that work in relation to how the oak frame would look That's within it. the house and to gain best advantage from the oak frame. And did you find that... 
you know, how, what sort of discussions went on then between yourself and Helen? You've never. Is Helen your partner? I'm not, Helen, my partner. Um, so you've ne you'll never go into a, a room or a house ever whilst you're in that process without looking at everything and stepping everything out. Yeah, oh, this is a nice city. I wonder how big this is, and uh, you know, stepping it out and wondering how that works or uh, just the functionality of a of a house uh, or a room. Um, so you just question everything. You always have a tape on you. I uh, want to know how big everything is. Um, so, so that whole process, so you, you then have uh, an outline that you're now questioning whether it's, um, it'll work for you. Um, you know, can you sort of tweak anything, how you can make it work? The stairs were a big part of our design, um, how we can make that work. We squeezed in um, a dressing room into the ensuite. Uh, well, what does that look like? The shower, uh, all sorts of things, really. So uh, it's really helpful in the design process because just looking at it on paper is one thing and it can work on paper, but the practicality and reality is, is something completely different, isn't it? You know, It is. You start looking at um, materials and colours as well as getting out your tape measure. You're, you're looking at those textures and light and how it falls within the space. And as you say, within your particular brief, yourself and Helen really wanted the, the staircase of, of, as a feature. Yeah. And that really made Church Cottage, bringing yourselves to that, um, by by bringing out a lovely picture, face faced window, really really just brought the whole building to life. Yeah, that's a that that element. And again, we questioned that for a long time. We wanted to have the bathroom over the stairs, so therefore relocating the stairs. Um, we must have invested so many hours. I literally wouldn't want to count. Uh, <laughs> gosh, and then you get everyone else's opinions as well. And yeah. Get yeah, back to square one. Too many opinions sometimes. <laughs> Okay, so that, that's, that's, that's great. So of that, of that design process, that, so that carried you forward to then agreeing with, the, with your architectural designer what the final layout was, what the final design was, position on the plot, orientation, windows, where the sun rises, where it falls. So then you're in a position to actually go back to planning. Lovely. Planning application and approval, element B. So here we've, uh, we've gone through creating the design, we've brought the design together, we've, we're ready, we're going into planning. So now it moves forwards for Helen and the team on element B. Describe the six important parts. We've got the design, Helen, actually making the planning application. Tell us all about that. Okay, so point one is actually working out what kind of planning application it will be, what, um, what class of planning application it will be. Uh, that's actually a whole other detailed uh, podcast, um, okay. <laughs> but it, it really is uh, point one, finding out if it's a full or an outline planning application. And there's lots of other different types of uh, application of which we'll go th through in further detail. Um, point two is actually um, communicating with people before you submit. So as a design team, when you're happy um, with the design, uh, there are potentially other people that you you should actually uh it might be wise to contact before you submit that planning application okay. again we can go into that in a further detailed podcast in in into planning um to touch upon it it may be neighbors it may be the parish council uh, it may be uh, different departments within the council to make sure we're we're ticking all of the boxes uh, that need to be 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 ticked in order to so move forwards so in an ideal situation, it would be great to have the neighbours fully on side. It would be great to have the parish council fully on side. 
that doesn't always work yeah. but that doesn't mean that you're not going to gain planning does it but it, but again if you consult with people keep them uh, abreast of what you're doing it, it uh, gives less reasons for objection later hopefully I think it's the neighbourly thing to do um, often uh, when 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 you're living next to people you you you'll you'll likely be there for a number of years and you want to uh, often times you want to get along with your neighbours in the local community and you want to design something that's in keeping within the setting um so the neighbourly thing to do is often to to discuss things uh, briefly with them before uh, you submit an application and before they just see it cold on a, a council website or on yes. a on a notice um notice board outside your site Okay, so you've got uh, communication with neighbours and the parish council. Then mm -hmm. next is the planning authority, I would think. So number three is actually uh, submitting. So you've got all of the parties on board. You've got all of your, your application documents together um, and you're actually looking at the submission and what we call the validation process through the council's um, planning application. Um, one po important point here is just to make sure that you have all of those documents um, in in line with uh, planning validation procedures, uh, again, a, a professional can talk you through all of those documents that are needed. Okay, so that's quite important to get all the paperwork in place correctly, because otherwise you put your planning in or you make your application, and there's a, the validation period can be any time. I think it's supposed to be. Uh, validation period is ten working days officially. Um, however, we do know a lot of councils are, are under pressure with regards to time um, time scales at the moment. Um, and we know we work nationally, and a, a number of uh, councils are running over those time limits. At what the what are they running over by, Helen? How long? Um, well, I'd, I at the moment, some councils are working two time. Uh, some some wow. councils working three weeks over, and I have heard of councils um, running twelve weeks over Ooh, validation dear. period at so, the moment. So it is important to get that paperwork right when you're going, because what you don't want to do is it have it sort of run for sort of eight, eight to twelve weeks, and then find it comes back because you haven't filled the paperwork in correctly. Now yes, I know yeah. sometimes things do slip the net a little bit because each council is slightly different, but it is critical to be right on the ball, isn't it, for that? We're always really, really careful with that quality assurance, even things like looking at your red and blue boundary lines to make sure that they're all correct. Um, the, the, the correct certificates are written on, on the application and all of those submission uh, documents are in line with the validation procedure. Good. OK. Point four, liaising with the planning officer. Um, I think it's really, really crucial to um, have one point of contact with that planning officer and to make yourself known to them. So once they're assigned to the project, um, just a friendly int introductory call is always a good thing to do with the case officer. Um, and equally, then it's, it's it's nice to let them do their job just to, to leave them time to settle and to, to understand what's happening with a planning application. So whoever from your team is responsible for the individual planning application, they will touch base with the planning officer, start to form a relationship. It doesn't mean the planning officer is going to agree with everything. Hopefully they will. But if you've got a relationship, there's more chance that things will run hopefully smoothly on the way through. Yeah, I think I think it's about establishing that rapport um, and letting, um, often by just picking up the phone to a case officer, letting them know that you're, you're there and... Um, 
personable and they're there to be able to help with any information that they may have in once they're considering that application. Good. Point five, so once uh, a case officer has uh, considered the application and it's gone through the consultee period, um, we're then awaiting a decision. Um, more likely than not, it, it may be a delegated decision by that particular case officer or there's um, other mechanisms to, to actually um, uh, undergo a planning decision. So delegated to who exactly? Um, so the, the the term is under delegated powers. Okay. So the, the case officer will be likely be making that ultimate so uh, make, decision. So, so rather than going to the planning committee, the case officer can actually make the delegated decision. Does that how often does that happen against going to committee? Would you say on average? For, for single houses, more often than not, it's a delegated decision. Um, so it is really important um, to to um, make all information available to the case officer to establish that rapport and to to let them know uh, know that you're available to to supply information to Good. them. Good. Point six. So once we actually have a planning uh, decision, so. Um, uh, once we've got that planning approval in place, there will be planning conditions applied to a decision notice and informatives. Um, and they're, they're um, again, really crucial in the steps of um, moving forward to, to build the house. Um, so there will be pre-commencement conditions um, and uh, prior to occupation conditions. Um, so I know that sometimes in enthusiasm to get going on the build, once you've gained your planning consent, sometimes the conditions could be forgotten and, and it's very important that you look back at what the conditions, although certainly the pre-commencement conditions are, mm. and make sure those are all carried out correctly so that you can proceed in, in good order with the build. Yeah. Um, once we once we receive um, a, a, an approval decision notice on a site, uh, it's a really exciting time. It's lovely news to deliver to to a client, um, but we always guide them with regards to the next steps. We let them know what those pre-commencement conditions are and how we can assist in moving forwards to 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 move them forward to that next exciting, even more exciting step of um, going to the build. Yeah. So, Charlie, the uh, planning application. And uh, how did how did that go for you? Whether what were, what of those six points, which which uh, spring back in your mind as to being very important within that process? You've got your design, now you're into planning. How did that go? Well, points five and six, obviously, uh, the most uh, um, crucial. Um, obviously, waiting the decision, uh, and then once you have the decision, there's the the actual conditions. Mm. Um, we submitted in the July, I believe, and I think it came through end of October. Mm. Um, and so we were obviously very pleased and I didn't personally realise at the time um, how long the conditions would take to um, to get signed off because you can't do anything until you get those signed off and with those the materials you have to submit type of tiles you're going to use, colour render, all sorts of stuff um, but then just getting the sign off of the conditions from the council I think that took about six months I think it was April before we were able to, um, to actually get on and, and do anything from having uh, received planning in the October. Wow. So six months? Six months, yeah. So, so what, was there any reason for that? Or? It's just the time in, 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 in them coming back because you have to submit it again to everything, don't you? You have to submit them into the planning. Yes, yeah, it's, a, it's an application in itself. Um, interestingly, when you, when you um, apply to release a condition, um, 
an application can be for a number of conditions it can, uh, rather than just one condition. So often if you can try and group them all together, the, co the council can consider those as pre-commencement conditions. Uh, so as a standard one, like you say, is often to uh, supply samples of those materials. Um, again, during that planning process, if you, you can uh, start to discuss um, with builders, you can start to select things like material choices. You can start to look at um, suppliers and manufacturers, and that all helps progress things down the line. Again, we're here to guide you with that regards uh, yeah. these matters. I remember um, the one, and you'll have to uh, remind me if this is at the um, conditions phase or before, is the, the gas membrane. Um, when we had to do um, get all of that sorted off and get all that signed off, obviously we had to get a, a, a gas membrane installed. So when that, we did it. That gas membrane was for what type of gas, Charlie? Methane. Methane. Ah, that's because of the area you're in. That's it. There's a potential, yeah. possibly yeah. remote, even though as many houses built that don't suffer. And but, 28 years from it being a, a problem. And so. Yes. And that's because there was a sort of a. Um, uh, Something to do with council, there was a, yeah. a, 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 quarry. Sort of a, a quarry or a waste area, wasn't there? That's it. So sort of about three or four fields away, and uh, but but still in in the area. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's one of the sort of things you need to be aware of, isn't it? Within the conditions and things, little odd things that crop up because I, I think I can remember you sort of cutting all the membrane in and uh, laying that was quite a that was a, 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 sort of a little bit of origami going. That on was there. that was. I, do you know what? I actually really enjoyed that, but. Um, <laughs> um, and actually helped with the air, air tightness of the house. But aside mm. from that, uh, it was it was another thing to to look into. Another thing that you have to sort of make sure you're ticking all the right boxes off, and you have to provide the supplier that you're using. And uh, yeah, this this just lots of boxes to tick. I think another one that took some time to sort out was um, um, again you'll know the specifics, but the environmental report or something like that. You have to get someone to produce a report for that. Mm. Um, I think. Um yeah, firstly, we do a, a radon check when we do the building regulations drawings. Um, so during the planning application process, environmental health are one of the consultees and they uh, more often than not will pick up on any uh, areas of soil contamination or indeed any, any um, uh, local gases in the area like methane, uh, radon and so on. And, and indeed all, all of the... Um, a, a, a planning condition was applied to your site with regards to the methane yeah. uh, membranes um, and that does require specific detailing um, with regards to the membranes. So I think uh, with the, the conclusion the planning application and approval is really that is that yes you've got that but the, it will potentially come with some conditions and you must not underestimate how long it will take to discharge those conditions even the, the straightforward and simple conditions. So I know that whenever we uh, we're working on development ourselves. Once we've gained planning permission, then we really, really hard focus on those conditions and getting those discharged or the pre-commencement conditions discharged as quickly as possible. So, Helen, thank you very much indeed. So, element uh, element three or C, uh, um, we now have building regulations. So, here we are. We've gone through the design process. We've made the planning application and gained the planning application consent, and we've worked on discharging the conditions. And now then, finally, to get going, you need building regulation drawings. So, building regulation drawings, what are they, Helen? What are the six important parts or uh, points of building regulation drawings? Thank you. Um, the first 
first point really is to work out um, what kind of building regulations application you're going to make. Um, so that is that is the the application that you will make to either the local authority or the private authority um, to either go with what we call a building notice, uh, which is a notification to the local authority or private authority uh, to start bu building works within 48 hours. Okay, so so there we've got, just for clarification, we've got the local council we yes. can go to, or we can go to a private uh, company who will deal with building regulations. And we do tend to work with both, but you, you find that, uh, I think, with a bespoke house and certainly an oak frame bespoke house but if we go with one of the specialist companies they get to understand exactly how the house or our houses work and therefore sometimes we'll gain a consent a little faster than if we go to an individual local authority for every area sometimes it's very good somebody's very enthused sometimes people are a little bit confused by what is an oak frame and and it can take a little longer we're used to dealing with it we don't mind which direction we go so that that's quite interesting yeah we we work with um either local authorities or we do have a really good private authority that we work with cook brown who um understands our our oak frames and they used to working with our details and our structures and um, again, because we've built up that relationship over a number of years, we often get a lot of um, quick responses to them. We can pick up the phone to them and, and um, really thrash through things very very uh, quickly and efficiently with them. Yes, okay. You mentioned there as well the starting on a notice. And I, crikey, historically, many years ago, I can remember that we used to do this quite regularly, but I would say that now I would probably not advise that really you're better off to get the building regulation drawings brought together and uh, make the detailed application because then you have all the detail if you go on a notice yes you may start sooner but i think the follow-on challenges of uh, a building inspector not knowing exactly what you're doing coming to site talking to you then dictating what they feel needs to be done because you haven't agreed it uh prior to commencement of work i think is slightly unwise this day and age i would definitely personally go for full building regulation approval and, and then you know the direction you're going and you've got all the paperwork into the council approved or into the uh, into the company you're working with to, to put the building regulations together and i think that makes things smoother so point one once we've uh, actually uh, received that uh, planning approval for you we can um, provide building regulations drawings. So point two is actually choosing your building regulations provider. Um, that can either be your local authority or it can be a private authority. Um, more often than not, we do choose to go through a private authority as they understand our systems and we've established a relationship with them over years where, whereby uh, we get things moved through more efficiently. Point three is uh, the actual plan check submission. So we're, we've uh, produced all of the building regulations, technical drawings in line with um, building regulations documents. Uh, we've provided any specialist reports. So more often than not for a house, it will be um, a SAP report that's needed. Uh, that means... SAP, so what does SAP actually mean? That um, means the predicted energy value of okay. the building. So... Um, 
again, we work alongside a specialist in order to uh, do those calculations. Yes. Um, and it's a standard uh, report that would be, be applied to a new house. So on point three, once we've done the plan checks submission to the local or private authority, um, they will come back to us with um, a plan check report. Uh, so they'll come back with any specialist elements that we need to attend to on our drawings. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why it's good to go into the for a full application, isn't it, for building regs? Because you get all your drawings into the... Uh, whoever's looking at the um, the building regulation drawings for you, whether it's a local authority or, or a private company, and they'll go through and identify any elements they'd like you to look at in more detail or to provide more information. So you're really getting all your sort of your ducks in a line before you start, aren't you? And the detail all together. That's that's good. It's a re it's a really thorough check. Um, as the the building uh, control inspectors work with this every day, they 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 go to sites and they see. Um, problems and details that, that come up um, on site and this is really the safety net the plan check process is the safety net of them letting us know um, it flagging up any issues that may come up on site so we can then solve the problem before it gets to site great um, point four is actually liaising with the building regulations officer um, again like planning it's about establishing that rapport with them making yourself known to them, picking up the phone and uh, letting them know that you're there for any, if they need any further information. And on the way through the build, how how many times does the building inspector normally call in? What, what, what elements do they come to look at? I would uh, suggest they, they normally come at the main structural um, elements. Uh, so it, it's normally for the site builder to um, agree with the building inspector when they would actually like to make their inspections. So it's probably going to be foundations. Mm -hmm. Once you've dug the foundations ready, you've got to make sure the building inspector sees it. I mean, you'll normally have had a soil survey carried out and dug some trial pits and uh, engineer will have worked out what sort of depth you've got to go to. Mm -hmm. But even so, the building inspector needs to see those, those foundations bottom out smoothly and cleanly and your ground worker can advise you or if or if we were carrying out construction we would we would look after that for the customer so the building inspector will come out at set intervals throughout the build process and you'll be given those as build regulation cards or information so that you need to follow the individual points if you have a builder uh, or if we're carrying out the work for you then we will look after all those visits but linked into the visits of the building regulation officer we also have the warranty provider as well which is very important so you need to have a warranty on your house so that if you would wish to sell within the first 12 years following construction sign off then the the purchaser can take out a mortgage against your house so you've got the building inspector and you've got the warranty provider and the warranty provider will sometimes want to look at different things to the building inspector now some of the companies the private companies the building inspector can also be do the inspections for the warranty provider that that can work out quite advantageous because you've only got you're only dealing with one person as, as opposed to two people so there we go we've got the building regulations uh, element c and we have our six points uh, or our six principal points charlie 
on those you you you've, you you had your design you produced your design you got your plan and consent you were then moving on wanting to get building and the building regulation drawings were there any challenges there or how did you find that process worked for you um in all honesty pretty smooth uh, we went um with oak rights to carry out the building regulations um again just synergy and then we went with the uh, private um the private uh, company to carry out all the uh, building control because as you state Cook Brown, who we work with regularly, they know our wall system, you know, how everything comes together. So it saves a lot of uh, information uh, being um, communicated really, rather than having to explain everything again and again, you know, they say, oh, using the right wall, yes, that's it. And so it was, it was pretty good. Um, and and the, the team there were absolutely brilliant. So uh, that went well. Um, the inspections themselves, as you say about the warranty provider, um, the warranty provider, the inspections, they were, they were much strict, stricter. And in all fairness, I so wouldn't more have, detailed. they were more detailed. They were concerned about uh, the tiles, how they were being fixed. Um, and at one point he got a bit confused and said that we needed to fix every uh, tile down. We had to uh, nail them all down rather than every third row or something. Because you're on, you're on plain tiles. Oh, we are, yeah, every yeah. Every third or every fifth row. That's it. And, and he uh, wanted every single tile for every row, which is right. the, then the roofer uh, got a bit upset because he hadn't budgeted for that. So we just had to, um, we had to just have a little chat through and, and turns out he he got confused to what we were actually so doing. So he was probably thinking you were, I don't know, fitting a that's it. slate or or some interlocking a concrete, concrete tile, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's what he thought. Yes, He'd seen the neighbours' tiles and, and thought that's what we were using. Okay. Um, so everyone was in a bit of a fluster at that point. But um, and uh, but um, the visits were very good. Um, and and yeah, they they were just trying to reflect. They tie in at the same time, really. Yes. Sometimes the warranty provider so comes out. So you start off with stages. the foundations. You had foundations, so they up. come and check. And actually, interesting enough, so we're doing the same two, well, uh, two houses at the same time. Our neighbours were building at the same time. And uh, things that influence it, because you can go down and get all your engineering and stuff. But <laughs> when the inspector came out, thankfully before um, uh, the poor, um, he said that... Um, the, the plot next to us had to go down an extra meter in certain areas because they had hedges um, uh, really uh, within two meters of the of the foundations. So they had to go down deeper. And then when we were doing our garage, um, again, there was a, a eucalyptus tree uh, of our neighbors that was within 25 meters. And thankfully that they were on a hill, otherwise we would have had to go down deeper on the on the garage as okay. well. So it's all these little things that they influence. Yes. Um, so and, the, and those little things are all costs. They are all costs. Yeah. Yes. And I think that is always the thing, isn't it? That really the the, the groundworks are the one where that is a little bit. You know, once you've got the groundworks out of the way, then everything is fairly set on cost, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, but so yes. The one element that we did get caught out on is is that. Uh, a fire exit in the window one of the windows upstairs yes the opening uh, was sufficient but the way the window moved didn't make it it was basically rather than being uh, hinged on the edge and opening out so you could get out of it it was uh, it it slid um, okay. and then so that meant that it had to be changed because you couldn't get out of it, it wasn't appropriate as a fire exit okay. so that had to get changed and the the, the draw, drawings um, I always say that the more detail you can have within the drawings, the building regulation drawings, the better, because that will make the, the project run smoother. But I am always uh, conscious, I do explain to people, that building regulation drawings 
are there principally to gain building regulation approval and they are not absolute full construction drawings with an experienced builder no problem at all to build a house from building regulation drawings all the principal dimensions are, are there accurately to show what you're going to build but the finite detail of a set of construction drawings are not there so the, the the amount of work then to move on to the construction drawings if you're building a bespoke house i would say is good value for money because you you the builders when you're going out tender if you're looking after the project yourself for all the different elements and you've got a beyond building regulation drawings you've got a set of construction drawings you're going to get very much more accurate costings back and and and, and then so while you will have spent a lot more on the drawings you will make that saving further down the line of just accuracy of what the builder is expected to price. And even when we're building our own houses and building our own developments, um, I think the construction drawings, to go beyond building regulation drawings to construction drawings is very useful because it does just make the project run that little bit more smoothly. Yeah, we, we can do... Um we, as a standard service, we do building regulations, drawings, as you say, Tim, to uh, progress through uh, to, to achieve a building regs consent. Uh, but we can do detailed drawings, um, and that may may be down to the spacing of timber cladding or, or stonework on a site or, or looking at junction detailing. Um, and indeed, we can write a written specification. Uh, we can go drill down into the detail of even things like ironmongery schedules, finishes, schedules, tiles, floors, um, all sorts of specifications. Again, however, that surface is available from us, um, but again, a client and uh, alongside a good uh, builder may well be able to um, thrash through that kind of detail together. Good. Helen and Charlie, thank you so much. So Oakwright's podcast in the frame, episode six, design, planning and building regulations and overview. Thank you very much indeed. And so I hope you've enjoyed this. And I would say if you'd like to see more information, why not subscribe to the channel and you could like, uh, find out more information. There are other social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and all of those have lots of information. But I would also say that with our, our YouTube channel, it's not just podcasts. We are doing the, the videos of life at Oakwright. So there's lots, lots to look at and lots to follow. And for more information, why not get in touch and look forward to seeing you in the future. Thank you so much.